to Totalus Rankium. This week, Michael 8. And welcome to Roman Emperors, Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine 11. And here we are, Jamie, on the last dynasty. The last leg. The last leg. leg between them. It's been a long journey. This is episode 160. And uh, we're close to the end. Yeah. Only 10 more after today. Uh, we're doing the Paleologos dynasty. Ooh, yeah, you mentioned them quite a few times. Yes, I have. This is six years. In the making. Six years in the making. Yeah, I know. You're going to have to, when we finish, you're going to have to total up all the word count you've had. Oh, wow. That, that's going to be quite a lot. Yeah. Talking word count, it's a long one today oh, because, okay. bizarrely, we suddenly have a lot of detail. Excellent. I'll send a message to my wife because I, I said, I'm pretty it's going to be a short one today. So no, no. Send that message. Say, you'll see her in the spring. Got it. <laughs> Cool. Okay, well, let's jump in then, since it's a long one. We're going to start in 1223, <gasps> or 4, or 5. We're not 100% certain. Yeah, accurate sources. That's what we're used to. Yeah. Andronicus Paleologos, the governor-slash-general of Thessalonica, and right-hand man to the new emperor, John III. That's who we're starting with. Yeah. Well, John III, remember, is the second uh, Nicene emperor, the one who did really quite well. Yes. I remember that Good. one. Good. So Andronicus was married to Theodora, who was the granddaughter of Alexius III. Okay. If you remember him, he's the one who overthrew his brother, blinding him, and then fled when the Fourth Crusade turned up. I do remember that, yeah. <laughs> uh, Andronicus and Theodora had a child, several children, in fact, uh, but the one we're interested in is Michael. He's in a good position, to put it bluntly. His, his parents are, like high up in the royal court, and he's got royal blood inside him. So that's good. He was the eldest boy. He had two younger brothers, Constantine and John, and at least two elder sisters that we know of. Now, Michael's mother stops being talked about in all the sources soon after the birth of his youngest brother, so there's a good chance she dies at this point. No, 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 no. She No, no. No, no. no, she didn't. What what happened? Um, She went to go and fetch a loaf of bread and just didn't come back. Went on a very long holiday. Very long holiday. To heaven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's nice. So she'll be back any day now, honestly. <laughs> so Michael, for a time, is brought up by his elder sister called Martha. Great name. Good Roman name there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and as a child, we are told of a story because Michael could not sleep, which is a shame. But the only way one of his sisters could get him to sleep was to sing about how one day Michael would become the emperor. That never, ever happened. Foreshadowing. <laughs> and there's a snake with an apple in his mouth. No, unfortunately no snakes carrying a in, crown. in this. This is a very boring student prank. I, I, I'm even going to go as far to say I don't think it was students, this one. No? No, just a very optimistic sister. <laughs> yeah. Quite now, a snake. As- <laughs> She thinks she was trying to set up lots of omens all the time. Yeah. Bring a a hippo past the bedroom window. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, At some point, due to the closeness of the families, Michael was then invited to the palace to be raised there, and I quote, as if he were a son. So That's more foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. More so than the... uh, the sister mentioning it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as Michael and the Emperor's son, 
who would become Theodore II, were roughly the same age, there's a very good chance they were educated together. If you remember, Theodore II at this point didn't like the stuck-up noble boys and had become good friends with a page boy called Mausolon. Yes, I remember that name. Yeah, yeah. So you've got the heir, the prince, friends with his page boy, and the two of them are just snubbing the uh, the elite children, and uh, Michael was one of those that would have been snubbed at this time. Now, this is speculation, of course, but there's a very good chance that Theodore and Michael did not get on. Now, as soon as he was old enough, Michael goes off to get experience of fighting and governing with his father. Uh, Now, we actually have parts of his autobiography, which is why we suddenly get so much detail. Autobiography? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't have much, but we I've, I've got a couple of tiny little snippets in this episode, and here's one of them. He tells us, Everywhere I hindered the Latin sorties, repulsed their attacks, and cut their lines of supply. Not one for detail. But. No, no, he's getting into a, <laughs> he's getting into fights with the Latins. Uh, okay. He's younger than twenty here. He's just getting some experience of fighting, basically. Hmm. Remember, his uh, dad is in charge of all of the armies of the empire. He's like head general. So, yeah. however, it's not clear what he was doing exactly until Michael was about twenty years old when he was made governor of a couple of towns in Thrace under the command of his father, who his headquarters was in the major city of Thessalonica in the area. So, basically, this is uh, your training wheels being a governor. Go and look over the two towns, make sure no one dies and the town doesn't fall over, and then there we go, experience. Yeah. That's good. It's like very like small, you know, like three people and a goat. Yeah, exactly. So Michael spends the next five or six years in this role, learning the ropes of local government, but something goes wrong. It rained. No. No. The goat got sick. (laughs) Probably, but it was even worse than that. Uh, We don't get all the details, unfortunately, but a relative of Michael dies. Now, Michael was apparently upset by this, but a rumour started going around. Maybe it was the goat. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that just suddenly popped into my head. Maybe it was. Yeah. Anyway, a rumor, I think so. rumor starts going around that Michael was upset not because his relative had died, but because the relative's death foiled a treasonous plot against the emperor. Ooh. Apparently young Michael and his relative, slash the goats, were planning to move on John III. Now... Someone in the town reported this rumour to a high-up official. I've just overheard two of the local peasants talking about this. So, to make the story a bit clearer, you can name the two peasants. Um, Jeff and Charles. Jeff and Charles, right, okay then. So Jeff and Charles were talking about this rumour. Someone overheard them and reported it to an official. That official then reported it back to the Emperor. John was not happy about the idea of this young man who he had brought up almost as if he was his own plotting against him. These emperors believe these rumours, don't they, very quickly? Well, he didn't know whether to believe the rumour or not. He wasn't going to just immediately believe it. I mean, he was a sensible man, as we've covered. Uh, So... Blind him! (laughs) Not quite yet. Uh, So he summoned Michael and the two townsfolk, so Jeff and... uh, Who was the other one? Charles. Charles. Interesting you choose that name. Charles is going to be a big... Big character in this uh, episode. That's who it is. That's the same Charles. Same Charles. Okay, then. You'll have to somehow (laughs) combine the two. So he summons Jeff and Charles uh, to to the palace. Go on, then. What what is this rumour you talked of? I can only assume the two townsfolk were petrified, because there they were (laughs) just having a bit of a chinwag over the fence, (laughs) and then all of a sudden they're hurled before the emperor, uh, explaining themselves. 
And bearing in mind they don't live locally, they would have had to travel for a good week or so to get there. (laughs) So, one of the townsfolk claimed that the rumour was definitely true. Choose who that is. That's Jeff. Jeff Jeff was sticking to it. Yep, it's definitely true. Charles said, no, no, it's false. I don't know what this idiot's talking about. I was just, I don't even think I was there at the time. Who? What? Uh, (laughs) Let me go. Yeah, so there was only one way to settle it, said John. And this is a story I wish I'd come across during his episode. Cut a dog in half and see which half, see which, see if the two halves goes to the right owner. Not quite, but just as oh. uh, sensible. Jeff and Charles were told to fight, and whoever won oh. would obviously be telling the truth. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you really want to fight those dogs if you're seen as the liar because you didn't win the fight, which is ridiculous. Yeah. You'd probably get killed. Now, notice that you chose the names, and uh, you chose who was supporting who, so I'm, I'm putting this on you. Uh, Jeff won this fight. Oh, it must have been an accident. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> he stepped backwards in shock, stood on yeah. the end of a seesaw that, like, dropped a bucket that pulled a rope that clattered some yes. scaffolding down, and a brick Poor landed Charles. on Charles's yeah. head. Yeah. So, um, yeah, not good, apparently. Michael was definitely committing treason because of this fight. Because of misplaced tools. By the <laughs> yes. Yeah. Then, in a very unusual move for Romans and Roman law, it was decided that Michael would have to prove his innocence because he was shouting at the top of his voice at this point. No, no, I'm innocent. What? This is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> fight to the death. Now, John said, fine, you can prove your innocence through trial by ordeal. Oh, is this like having to carry two buckets on a stick over your shoulders over a mossy pit and then you got to fight a snake and then, I don't know, impregnate a badger somehow? Yeah, yeah. and then it just full-on turns into the the thing where you got to get get past all the big inflatable things. <gasps> Takeshi's Castle? Yes, yes, it just turns into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the floor is lava. Yeah. Uh, no, so, I mean, I mean, essentially, yes, but it was much more simple. Uh, he just had to carry a red hot iron across the room. Uh, which end has it got to hold? The red the hot, hot end or the, the red hot part? Oh, well, what does that prove? It proves he's innocent. Does it? Does it really? Well, uh, no, um, but if you're interested in trial by ordeal uh, and you're listening to this, uh, go and find the episode that Saga Thing about, did about it. It's fascinating. Um oh. Yeah, it dispels this uh, myth that trial by ordeal was just idiotic and people were idiots for believing it because it was uh, more a case that John, the emperor, had already decided he didn't like the fact that Michael looked like he was committing treason, needed proof of it, had no proof, so went, fine, we'll do this instead. So it's like a mini-punishment, essentially. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a way of getting someone guilty, even though you can't prove it. Would he have had to wear gloves? That would really damage your hand, because, it, well, not just the blistering, but it damaged your tendons, the nerves, Oh, oh yeah, everything. yeah, that's, that's your hand gone, pretty much. Um, yeah. yeah. So, Michael... Have a claw hand for the rest of his life. Ah. Well, Michael didn't like this idea. Why? Who would? And he, Who asked, would? he asked about the fighting thing. It's like, can, can I do the fighting thing? <laughs> like yeah. the other guys, that, that sounds a bit better. Uh, if someone's accusing me, can I fight the person accusing me? Nope. Can I beat up Jeff? No. Because uh, <laughs> I'd really like to. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Emperor, by this point, like I say, was convinced of the guilt of Michael, so he wanted him to be guilty, so the hot iron it was. 
Michael responded that, okay, fine, I'll, I'll do it. Obviously, obviously I'll do it. I'm, I'm innocent. But I am, after all, a normal man. A mortal man. So therefore I have sin. So therefore it will burn me immediately. Not because I'm sinful of this, but I have sin. Nice. Pull out the old Christian card. Yeah. So, tell you what, if the Archbishop, and at this point the Archbishop, who is sat next to the Empress, suddenly looks up. uh, (laughs) (laughs) What am I being dragged into? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This Archbishop had also agreed with the Emperor that a trial by ordeal might be, I don't know, a bit of a jolly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So Michael says, if the Archbishop were to pick up and pass the red-hot iron to me then obviously I'll do the ordeal, and by the bishop touching it first, it will show that it's he's washing me from my other sins, and therefore I will be able to hold the iron. <laughs> Archbishop, hell no! <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't I think it's a terrible idea, Emperor. Absolutely not. No, no, would never work. Well, at, at this point, uh, Michael's going, well, I mean, surely it won't burn you, Archbishop, for surely you're not a sinful man. But we are all human. Everyone commits sin. (laughs) Well, at this point, the Archbishop speaks up. Uh, This is uh, not part of our Roman institutions. Uh, The practice is is barbarous and uh, unknown to us and is performed only by imperial command. (laughs) So uh, after some debate by various officials and high-up religious leaders, particularly this Archbishop... (laughs) Very panicked. (laughs) It was decided to drop the charges. There's no proof and trial by ordeal. I mean, really? We've never done this before. Why are we doing it now? So uh, it's, it's so Viking. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Soon after this, the Emperor seems to have maybe forgiven Michael slightly because he sets up the marriage between Michael and his grandniece hmm. uh, called Theodora. Uh, however, this could actually be a bit of a punishment for Michael because uh, some sources... <laughs> so, so I'm not saying anything about Theodora. I'm sure she was a lovely okay. woman. Uh, no. <laughs> she just kept nagging. <laughs> no, uh, Michael, uh, according to some sources, wasn't happy because he was fairly sure the emperor was actually going to wed him to one of his own granddaughters like marrying him directly into the royal family line of succession. So maybe this was a bit of a new, know your place. Um, He was also given a new role. He was now in charge of all the Latin mercenary troops in the army. And this meant that he had to stay close to the capital of Nicaea. Uh, He was no longer allowed to just wander off into Thrace and build up his own support there. So So the Empress essentially put a leash on him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But then John, as we saw, suffered his stroke or his epileptic uh, attack, whichever it was, that left him paralysed for a while and then killed him. Mm. And Theodore II becomes Emperor. Now, if you remember, Theodore II, not sure what to do at the start of his reign, decided to ride off into the distance and fight the Bulgars, leaving his good friend, the ex-page boy Mausolon, in charge. Yeah, yeah. Now... Michael does not like Mausolon, and it's a very good chance that him and Theodore didn't particularly get on. However, Michael is an important person, and he's got close ties to the family. He's uh, married into the royal family now. Uh, So he was made governor of Nicaea, as in the city. So, yeah, um, high up powerful position. Yeah. And this is when Michael suddenly runs away to the Saljuk Sultanate of Rum. Just just by chance. Yeah, he, he just... 
does a runner. Now, we, we have covered this uh, in the last couple of episodes because this came up. If you remember, the new emperor, Theodore, was worried that this was because Michael was plotting something. Why on earth would, after being given the job of governor of Nicaea, would he suddenly run off to the Turks? This makes no <laughs> sense. Yeah, why or why? But then the advisors pointed out to the Emperor Theodore, uh, Sir, you keep saying things like you're going to blind Michael and you don't trust him. That's perhaps why he ran away. Well, you can, <laughs> <who> can say. <laughs> yeah. Editing Rob here. Uh, at this point, I received a phone call uh, from my mum. And usually, uh, I'd, I'd put this kind of thing at the end, but Jamie makes predictions, so I figure I'd just, like, include it here. So, uh, let's go back to that ringtone. Hello? I'll carry the episode here, ladies okay? and gentlemen, don't worry. Um, uh, yes, I'm in the Um, I'm just going to mute Rob, just so I'm not listening. Like, oh, no, I'm muted. No, I'm, I'm gonna, I can't mute Rob. Um, I'll carry on. Anyway, um, I ran away to rum and probably drank lots of rum. Caribbean rum. Um, oh, I'm going to the Caribbean in, in the summer on the 11th, which is quite good. Going to New, New Orleans, should be good. Uh, going to visit Bourbon Street. My head's very, very nice, um, but very touristy. I've been told to go somewhere like Frenchman Street. That's where I'm probably going to head off to. That's a place for local jazz. So I'm going to spend a night there drinking whiskey, drinking bourbon, listening to local jazz. That should be fun. Um, oh, I want to do one of those um, rides. Uh, it's like a boat ride thing with a big wheelie thing that you push. That sounds quite fun. I want to do that. Um, and drink some cocktails. Should be nice. Then we're going to go around the Caribbean where I can drink some real rum as well. Sounds sounds good. Yeah. That has nothing to do with the episode. But rum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you went to rum. I drank some rum. Don't know why you headed off yet. Rob hasn't said yeah, that, but hasn't said that. I'll make something up. Um, maybe he graffitied one of the one of the posters for Mausoleum or something. Who knows? Yeah, spent some time there. Then eventually was forgiven. Came back. Oh no, I guess the new emperor Theodore kind of said to him, "Tell you what, I need a need a general. Um, come and come and do something. Come and come and fight for me because I I need some help here with the Borgars. They're they're a bit worse than I probably thought." So I goes, okay. Well, I probably thought it was a trick to start with and thought, okay, I'll come back then. Da, 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 da. Started fighting, um, stabbing people, that kind of thing. Organising stabbing, probably didn't stab himself. He's probably high up. Yeah, and that's what happened. Drops back. Hello. Hey. Right, right. where was I? Uh, I don't know, but I filled in a little bit for you. I, I said what I thought was going to happen. So. Oh, great. Okay, I'll definitely keep that in mind. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's also very possible at this time that Michael was worried about Mausolon. Remember, mm. Mausolon had been instructed to root out any traitors to the throne. Or in other words, get rid of anyone who doesn't like me and you, Mausolon. So uh, mm. Michael did a runner. He was well-received by the Sultan in Rome. Good. The Saljuks were having a hard time of it, what with the Mongols. It's never fun to be in the way of the Mongols. No, they're scary. Um, they are scary. Uh, so an experienced general turning up was a godsend. Fantastic. So Michael spends his time needing Christian mercenaries for the Saljuk Turks, fighting off the Mongol raids. Hey. 
He also sent that letter home that we covered, telling his troops uh, that he, he had to abandon the empire for personal reasons, but everyone just needs to carry on protecting the empire. Hmm. This isn't a coup. Stop saying the word coup. No, no, no I've, I'm, I'm on holiday. Just, just carry on as yeah, normal. I'm not a threat. Yeah. yeah, exactly. After a couple of years of this, uh, Theodore meets up with the Sultan of Rome. Mm. Theodore wanted an alliance with the Turks. Uh, the Romans uh, could help with the Mongols. And when I go west, try and rebuild the empire and get the capital back, uh, you guys in the Sultanate could maybe not take advantage, not attack us, maybe? That would yeah. be great. Yeah. Pinky's, pinky promise. Yeah. yeah. So it was agreed. Fantastic. Um, as part of the deal, Michael was allowed back home. Yay. <laughs> Although not before many, many oaths not to try and usurp the throne. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, at this point, I mean, I don't like the whole there's no smoke without fire thing, but I mean, there's a lot of accusations going around about Michael trying to usurp the throne. So you've got to suspect that maybe yeah. he was involved in some things. And do you know whose fault it is? Who's? Jeff. He started all the rumours. Or Jeff's fault. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Now, if you remember, uh, at this point, Epirus. Epirus is on the west coast of modern Greece sort of area. Yeah. Or the, the Balkan Peninsula. This is the only threat to the Nicene dominance at this point. So, Theodore gives Michael a few lackluster troops and told to go and fight the despot of Epirus. That was his title. Hmm. Uh, annoyingly, the despot of Epirus is also called Michael. So yeah. I'll call him Despot Mike, just to make it clear. Like, visual-wise, visual to help our listeners, because yeah. I know we've yeah. got a lot of Star Trek fans listening. Yeah. So um, in, in Star Trek, it's something called the Mirror Universe, where you get the, the same characters, but they're bad. Yes. And if you're a bad character, you have a goatee. So <laughs> can the Michaels look identical... But yes, the bad they Michael can. has a black pointy goatee. Yes, Despot Mike has a goatee, definitely. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Like Ming the Merciless kind of thing with pointy eyebrows and a bald head. Yeah, yeah, why awesome. not? Okay, so Michael is off to fight uh, Mike the Merciless. Um, <laughs> yes, but, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was wonderful. Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't go well because he wasn't given many troops. I mean, mm. uh, Michael did manage to kill one of Mike the Merciless's sons, mm. uh, but the result was the loss of most of Western Macedonia. So, in other words, the empire was losing land. Yeah. This isn't good. Now, the emperor by this point, as we saw in his episode, was not feeling well, and he started to blame his enemies for casting spells on him. Oh, for goodness' sake! Yeah, and this very much included Michael. So he was arrested in Thessalonica and brought to the ailing emperor. They they just was... need to look. They need to take responsibility for poor diet and overeating. <laughs> just... No, not when you can just arrest someone. No, no. So he was thrown in prison for a while, hmm. uh, but he was also one of the emperor's leading generals. Hmm. They kind of needed generals. So after another round of oaths, never to try and coup. Seriously, promise you're not going to try and coup. I'm not. At which point, yeah, at which point Michael's just going. I'm not trying to. Stop having Jeff as an advisor. (laughs) Yeah, uh, he he was released. (laughs) Yeah, he was released. He got, like, just out of the door and then Jeff leans in. Just had a thought, sire. (laughs) He's wearing red shoes. Not sure how Jeff managed to get from that fight to becoming the advisor to Theodore too, but... uh, He's he's very silver-tongued, but equally stupid, so... Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, then Theodore dies, as we saw 
in his hey. episode. He got ill and he dies. Uh, Mausolon becomes the regent of the eight-year-old John. Mm, yes, yes, he does. And then Michael finally goes, you know what, if everyone's going to accuse me of cooing, I might as well do some cooing. It's because <sighs> the coup took place that we covered in last episode. Yeah. Mausolon and his brothers were murdered as they tried to hide at Theodore's funeral. Was this where, where they were behind the curtain? Yes, yes, exactly. See, That's that, that one. So just Michael see, and, and Jeff at this point is going, see, I was right all along. He said that just before the sword of Michael was thrust through his face. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Michael acts quickly. Uh, he arranges for John Four, little John, to be put under the protection of his two brothers. And therefore the Paleologos family were now the protectors of the emperor. Protectors of oh, the yes. emperor. Lots of bunny ears going on there. Yes, definitely. After a few hurried meetings, it was decided that Michael, you know what, could possibly be regent, why not? Yeah. And then he was given the title of Mega Duke. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah, or the Grand Duke, but Mega Duke sounds better. Uh, The treasury was handed over to him, and he was put in command of the reformed Varangian Guard. They're back. Yay. 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 Uh, So Michael uses the treasury to make sure that the people, the soldiers and the church were on his side. Gives out (laughs) a lot of bribes. And these bribes work, because soon enough the clergy announced that Mega Duke, although a brilliant title, isn't really good enough for a title of the man running the empire. Uh, Despot was better. (laughs) <laughs> Do you think Michael Paws went, that sounds a bit negative. I have a few negative <laughs> connotations for that. Well, just like dictator uh, back yeah. in the, the early days, uh, obviously this word didn't have its negative connotations at the time. Yes. Uh, so De- Despot was was a good title to have. <laughs> Do you think it was the, um, the list, a list of suggestions? Like Mutilator. <laughs> um, the Destroyer. Serial Killer. Yeah. Des- Despot would do. Yeah, well, that sounds good. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Well, this did actually get some pushback, mainly from the headless royal family. I mean, the royal family is still around. They just have an eight-year-old at the head of them. Oh, yeah. uh, so they're too weak to do anything. Sure enough, Michael continues to grease the political wheels until it was announced that Despot, actually, now we think about, isn't it, it's not that good, is it? Co-emperor sounds much better. (laughs) So he was crowned in Nicaea on Christmas Day in 2058. 2058, wow. Oh, wow, yes. No, 1258 (laughs) is probably more likely. Um, I'm guessing that's a typo in my notes. (laughs) And uh, he hasn't invented time travel, but we'll see. So anyway, he's now co-emperor. What's he going to do first? Um, Very quietly and subtly, get rid of the other family. (laughs) Uh, well, yes, yes, no, he does do that. If you remember, John is just put to one side slightly. You go and play with your toys. Keep keeping hidden. The other top of the list thing, obviously, is get Constantinople back. But before that, Epirus really needs to be taken care of. That's the lost land, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Mike the Merciless is definitely the biggest threat. Yeah, it's time to take him out. In fact, he wasn't just a threat because he had that part of uh, Greece. He'd also created an alliance that actually could rival Nicaea. And this was looking slightly dangerous. Because Mike the Merciless had allied himself with, first of all, King Manfred. King Manfred was uh, currently the king of Sicily. 
Now, Sicily at this time was the island of Sicily, but also pretty much the whole of South Italy, yeah, yeah. going up to like Naples. Uh, so a, a sizable chunk yeah. uh, of land uh, and quite powerful. So he'd allied himself with King Manfred, but not only that, also Prince William. What, our current Prince William? Uh, I'm guessing not, oh. but feel free to imagine that it is our Prince William. Yeah, suited. And by our Prince William, I just mean Prince William. Yeah. I'm not claiming to own him. You could do. He's he's you no know. no. You don't no. want him. You can have him. You can have him. It's fine. So uh, Prince William at this time was currently in charge of the uh, the bottom sticky out part of mainland Greece. The you know how Greece the, the has the, the no, not Italy, Greece. Oh, Greece. Sorry, the pointy Greece. Bit. Yes, you know at the bottom of Greece where Sparta was right in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. Just just mainland bottom part of the peninsula. Um, at this time. It was known as... Uh, Southern Greece. <laughs> this time it was known as Moria. Spout slightly differently to the uh, Mines of Moria in Lord of the Rings. Uh, spout with an E, not an I, but yeah. Hopefully very so, similar though. Uh, I'm sure it was. Lots of dwarves. Um, so yeah, he's in charge of that area. So a sizable chunk of Greece. So Prince William, Mike the Merciless and King Manfred... Uh, altogether, that was a sizable force, could easily take on the Nicene uh, Empire. Yeah. And all of them could see advantages of getting rid of the Niceans. Uh, obviously, Manfred and William were Latin, so they didn't want to see Constantinople fall to the, the Greek Romans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mike the Merciless, obviously, is the evil doppelganger of our Michael, so obviously he wanted to defeat him. Yeah. Yeah, plus it would expand his land and stuff. Yeah. So, Michael, not wanting to face these three in battle, first attempted to break up their alliance. He sent envoys to Manfred and William. Manfred of Sicily threw the envoy in prison. He was having none of it. And William was merely rude to his envoy, but sent him back. (laughs) A third envoy was sent to the Pope. Any chance, Popey, you could call this off? Because you're like head latin guy so that that would be great if you could call this off maybe now there's a couple of problems with this first of all manfred and the pope despised each other uh, <laughs> the pope thought manfred was trying to take over the papal lands so yeah, i wasn't really going to have much influence there but maybe over william that could work so to sweeten the idea michael said perhaps maybe if you could help me out here we could, I don't know, start talking about the East and West churches getting back together again. <gasps> Everyone did that in the room. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. No reply was had by the Pope. Damn it, that didn't work. Okay, oh. then, fine. We're just going to have to fight then, aren't we? It was time to take the fight to Epirus. Now, Michael didn't head off on his own. His head of the army at this time was the wonderfully named Alexios Strategopolis. Or strategies, Alex is what I'm going to call him. That's a good, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he made an immediate attack on uh, Mike the Merciless, and Mike was forced to retreat, losing a lot of men. He sent word quickly to his new allies. Help, he said. Meanwhile, the emperor's brother, John, remember he had a couple of brothers? Uh, he led forces, taking more towns in Macedonia and Epirus. So things are going really well, but obviously Mike's allies haven't turned up yet. Yeah. And uh, then they do turn up, and they really outnumber the Nicaeans. This is now looking quite bad. John Paleologos had a cunning plan, however. Yeah, Baldrick style. 
Oh, yeah. He sent a lone soldier to the camp of Mike the Merciless, pretending to defect. And once there, the soldier informed Mike that Manfred and William, by the way, have secretly signed an alliance with uh, the Nicaeans. Mike, he may be merciless, but he was also gullible because he (laughs) believed this and he fled before the sun rose. The next morning... William and Manford's troops awoke to find the man that they were here to support had ran away. Oh. Yes. That's an unconfidence uh, beast, isn't it, for your army? Yes, it's not great. Now, Manford himself wasn't there. He just sent troops over, but William was there in person. uh, And he decides to leave in a hurry. And this is when the Nicene forces fell upon them and destroying them. William was captured and imprisoned. This is a huge victory for Michael. Clever victory as well. Yeah, definitely. Now, it should also be noted that there are several versions of why Despot Mike the Merciless uh, fled. Uh, one includes that some knights of William were looking at Mike's son's wife in a way that that son didn't like, and the alliance fell apart. This son, by the way, will come back. He's known as John the Bastard. Great name. <laughs> See, back then, though, it wasn't an insult. It was just a descriptor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, we don't need to bleep that out because that's just his name and it's a descriptor, so it's fine. So there we go. Uh, That alliance has been shattered. Uh, One of the leaders is in prison. Um, Yeah, it's looking good. So now there's nothing stopping Michael from taking back the capital and reforming the Roman Empire. Yes. Yes. Now, as we've seen, taking Constantinople, not easy. And Michael was aware that he did not have the troops, fleet or war engines to take the city. <laughs> yeah, so his damn walls. Yeah, so how's he going to do it? Somehow sneak in. So he get invited in, almost. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, that's the way to do it. Um, in the fighting that had just taken place, they had managed to capture a few people, not just William. One of them was a uh, Latin lord who lived in the suburbs of Constantinople. Ah. So, outside the walls. At this point, remember, Constantinople has far outgrown its walls. Yeah. Um, So... (laughs) Do you happen to have the keys to the main gate? Oh, yeah, that's what he was asked. And, um, (laughs) yes, I could get hold of the keys, was the reply, if you let me go and don't kill me. Definitely. Splendid. (laughs) Excellent. This is all coming up trumps. This This is great. Okay, um... Tell you what, then, we'll release you and then we'll follow you up and then um, we'll hide in a monastery near one of the gates and you can just let us in. How about that? Excellent. Off we go. So that's what happened. Uh, Michael turned up with his forces outside the city. The gates were slammed shut. His forces took up position in a monastery near one of the gates and waited. And waited. <laughs> An embarrassing amount of time passed. He sent word to the Lord. Why, why the hell are the gates not open? <laughs> Do you not remember the promise? You get, you give us the keys and we give you your head. <laughs> you... Uh, yeah, at least you get to keep it. Uh, and the reply was that Baldwin, Baldwin, remember, is the current Latin emperor in charge of the city, had become suspicious of this Lord and had taken the keys off him. So presumably this lord was Keefe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I can only assume that he had gone up to the emperor and went, your emperorness, uh, I suppose I could have the keys for the gate, could I? I just uh, I just want to <laughs> let the cat out. Um, are, are you sure there's a massive 
enemy army out there. Oh, no, I, I'll, I'll lock it again after, to be honest, yeah. So apparently not good at subterfuge, uh, this Keith. So, no, the key was taken off him. Oh. Michael, furious, was forced to withdraw. There was no way of taking the city if he didn't have a, a cunning plan to get him. Uh, but in order to withdraw without being harried by the Latin forces, he agreed to sign a year-long truce with Baldwin. All very embarrassing. So Michael needed better if he was going to take the capital. Most importantly, he needed a navy. That's boats. He needs boats. That's boats. He didn't have boats. I mean, he had some, but they were a bit rubbish. They were mainly just carts with the word boat written on the side. <laughs> uh, but he knew someone who did have boats, and that is the Genoese. Oh. The people of Genoa. Yes. Genoa and Venice were, by this point, huge rivals, and the two major naval powers in the region. Venice, obviously, being part of the crusades that had brought down the Roman Empire, were the enemy. The Venetians were inside Constantinople. It was their fleet surrounding it still, so They're obviously he couldn't go to Venice. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But the enemy of my enemy is my friend, thought Michael, so he approached Genoa. And a treaty was reached. Soon enough, Michael was in possession of 16 warships. Hooray! And various promises of, once we take back the capital, we'll throw out the Venetians, and you guys can set up where they lived and have all the trade privileges. Hooray! So, there we go. So, that's going to help. Michael starts building up his troops. He's going to get the capital back, damn it. Uh, meanwhile, Mike the Merciless of Epirus was causing some minor problems. So while he was building up his troops to take the capital, Michael sent his brother John off again to deal with that. And then to make sure that no surprises were going to come from the north, from the Bulgars, he sent a small contingent of 800 men, led by Strategic Alex, his uh, head of the army. Yeah. To Alex, he said... Go to the north, make sure the Bulgars are quiet. Oh, and you're going to be passing Constantinople, so, I don't know, just shake your swords at them or something. Just remind them that we're coming. Yeah. Just, yeah. Say Bit of fear. Yeah, say go as you go past, but then go go and check on the Bulgars. Yeah. Now, it was some time later that Michael was shaken awake by his sister in the middle of the night. Apparently his sister awoke him by tickling his toes, which is a very interesting little detail we get. Apparently she didn't want to startle him. I can't think of a more startling way no. of being woken up than having your toes tickled. Because you just think of the beast under your bed. Yes, exactly. So, no. That's what he did. He woke up, it's the beast! Oh, it's your sister. Beat her to death with a... Yes. Well, there was urgent news that his sister wanted to give him. Um, you've, you've got Constantinople. We've, we've taken it. Oh. What? Yeah. How? Huh? Uh, strategy Alex and his 800 men took it. Oh. <laughs> it was pretty much the reaction. <laughs> Wait, what? In fact, we actually get the conversation. Like I say, we do have some, uh, some primary sources here. Oh, Emperor, you are master of Constantinople, said the sister. Huh? I replied. <laughs> <laughs> How can I be? Christ has granted you Constantinople. And at this point, apparently, Michael threw his arms to the heavens and shouted, Now I accept it. Yeah. But then apparently paused for a bit and went, Yeah, but how, though? I'm, I'm still <laughs> still confused on the details here. How the hell has 800 men managed to take the city when uh, they didn't have orders to do it? What, what's gone on? Then Baldwin's crown and sword turned up, carried by a messenger. So, I mean, yes, this looks like it's true. Roger's got it in his hand right there. Yeah, yeah. it would appear Baldwin has fallen. There seemed to be no doubt. So Michael, as quickly as he could, heads to Constantinople. Okay, then. And on the way, he learns the details. 
So uh, Strategy Alex and his men had stopped in a town 30 miles from the capital on their way to just wave their swords a bit and then head off to the north border. And when they were there, they learned some shocking news. The entire Venetian fleet, the one that protected the capital, was away attacking a small Nicene island in the Black Sea, Mm. taking pretty much all the troops with them. Ah. Essentially, Constantinople was empty at the moment. Alex hesitates. Okay, I've got no orders to take the city, and there's no way we can hold it with 800 men. As soon as the Venetians come back, we'll lose it, but, oh, it's tempting. (laughs) Oh, it's so tempting. It's so juicy and delicious. Yeah. Sod it, let's give it a go, he said, and all the men went, (laughs) (laughs) Gonna take their capital. So uh, he offered a large sum of money to those in the town. Uh, If you help get us in the city, you'll be greatly rewarded. Mm by the new order. Now, these people were Greek in origin. They had no love for the Latin rulers and the capital, so they agreed. The plan was very simple. The men, who were known as the Voluntaries, a complete coincidence. They weren't volunteers. Uh, That's just what they were called. Anyway, the Volunteers would go into the city, as they often would. I mean, they're a local town. They'd go into the city. No one would raise an eyebrow at that. Uh, They'd stay in the city and come nightfall, they would climb the wall at a certain point using ladders on the inside, kill the guards in that section, then open the gates for Strategy Alex, who would be hiding in a nearby monastery. They're handy, those things are. And the plan worked perfectly. The volunteers climbed the walls, they found the guards napping. Uh, Those napping guards soon went over the wall. Uh, You know earlier, when I said there was no more shocking way of being woken up than having your toes tickled? Take it back. Uh, Being thrown thrown off the uh, Constantinople walls definitely would be more shocking. You know that feeling where you suddenly like jolt weights, you feel like you're falling? Yes, yes. Imagine it felt like that. Um, The screams of the men going over the wall apparently did uh, raise the alarm and there was a slight problem, but the volunteers managed to grab the extra security and kill them before the actual major alarm was risen. So no problem. Everything is working as it should be. Slight problem, though. When they went to open the gates, they came across a brick wall. Oh. Yeah, it had been walled up for extra security. Damn it. Yeah, but that's fine. I mean, it'd been walled up in a hurry. This won't take too long to take apart, so they just start taking the wall apart. It took some time. Alex outside was starting to fear something had gone wrong, but eventually the gates swing open and the 800 men rush in. Now, again, there's many different versions. There's lots of different sources for this period of time. There was another version where the voluntaries showed Alex a hidden underground entrance, which sounds quite cool and reminds me of Justinian II going in through an underground uh, entrance as well. But this first one seems more likely than a sudden secret passageway. Uh, But who knows? The fact is, yeah, the fact is they're in the city. Um, The Nicene troops started fighting the few forces that were left in the city, and the Latin Emperor Baldwin, upon hearing the commotion, fled to the palace harbour, jumped on a boat, and like literally just escaping, he injured his arm. We're not sure how. He got shot by an arrow or sword caught caught him or something but yeah Uh, he rushed in such a hurry he left everything behind including his sword and crown Mm -hmm. which obviously was then sent off to michael 
Yeah. However, things then start to go bad because, hooray, we did it. We, we took the city, thinks Alex. This is, this is amazing. I've um, been trying to do this for literally decades. And here's, here's me with my 800 men and we, we did it. Oh, what's that over there? Oh, yes, the Venetian fleet returning and there's thousands of men on those boats. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, we could lock the door, sir. <laughs> well... They had a quick chin wag, is what they did. Someone who lived in the city uh, had some some interesting advice, a good suggestion. Why don't you burn the Latin Quarter down and do so very quickly? Theory was, once the Venetian forces see that not only has their emperor fled, but also their homes had burnt down, they'd lose heart, and they'd be too preoccupied making sure their families were still alive mm-hmm. to um to do any fighting. Uh, and this works perfectly. The Latin troops didn't even attempt to form a counterattack. Rather, they rushed to their homes, and realising that there was no hope for them, they started rounding up their families and put on ships, and off they went with everything they could carry. Nice. These ships apparently were so full that the food ran out and many starved to death before they reached their destination. Grim stuff. Um, but... That's it. That is Constantinople back in the hands of the Roman Empire. That is the glorious retaking of the capital wow. that we've been waiting for for so long. It was almost an accident. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, a quick sneeze. So, oh, yeah. Fun. So, um, yeah, they've got it. Michael, before long, obviously, is in the city. He and his wife, Theodora, were crowned in the Hagia Sophia. Uh, little John, nowhere to be seen. By the way, it's Little John's 11th birthday. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah. Michael ordered John to be blinded. Uh, he attempted to do this in secret, because obviously people aren't going to like that. Um, but news eventually got out over the next few years, and when it did, Michael suffered a blow to his popularity. The patriarch, Arsenos, yeah. uh, was furious. <laughs> yeah, I thought that name might amuse you, and that name's going to stick around for a while, Excellent. so... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Michael had the power now, so he set about his job. He's now not the Nicene Emperor. He is the Roman Emperor. Oh. We've got one, Jamie. We've got a Roman Emperor again. It's about time. So, to begin with, he starts building up his fleet so he didn't have to rely on Genoa's fleet. Uh, this was slow going, however. He was unable to build a particularly good fleet because there were too few men. The capital was a mess. It had about a third of the capacity that it had when it was abandoned. So the whole portions of the city just ghost towns. Yeah, he sent out a call for people to come back to the capital. And over his rule, uh, it went from 35,000 people to 70,000. So it doubled in size. Uh, But obviously this is a slow trickle of people coming in and not many boat builders. So uh, the plan to build a fleet doesn't really work. However, what he can do is repair the walls because they've been left to disarray recently and improve upon them. After all, the Crusaders have managed to breach the walls for mm. the first time. So let's find that part of the wall and really improve it a bit, shall we? Yes. So we start doing that. Upon spikes. <laughs> yes. So apart from that internal stuff, Michael also was working on the external problems. First of all, the King of Sicily, Manfred. Now, he wasn't really dealt with. William's in prison, remember? And uh, Mike the Merciless had been given a good kicking. But Manfred's still a problem. But rather than fight him, why not try and make him an ally, thinks Michael. And again, you'll see a lot of this with Michael. He definitely figured the pen was mightier than the sword in most circumstances. Like, he'd fight if he'd have to, but let's, let's send a letter. So he sent a letter to Manfred with an interesting proposal. The Pope hates you, and the Pope kind of hates me. So why don't we start working together? And also, I have your sister. 
because Manfred's sister, by the way, had been married to the Emperor John III before his death. Oh, I see. Yes, and uh, she'd just been held on to ever since then. <laughs> She's essentially a prisoner uh, in, in the capital. So, here was the proposal, said Michael. How about I marry your sister? Isn't he already married? He, yeah, he is already married. Right. Apparently, Anna, the sister, was uh, meant to be particularly attractive. Right. Which might might be one reason, according to one source, why Michael was uh, proposing this. Well, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. The scheme, however, really backfires. Oh. Because Theodora found out. Yeah. And she was furious with her husband. <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> So she went to Arsenos, the Patriarch, and told him what was going on. And the Patriarch made it very clear to the Emperor that he would excommunicate the Emperor if this happened. So that's not good. Yeah, but if Uh, if, if something were to happen to his wife... She takes well, maybe a fishing also, trip or something. <laughs> well, also, Banford wasn't going for it either. Uh, so, yeah, the plan just falls apart. Michael relents. Uh, incidentally, it would appear that Michael was excommunicated at some point by Arsenos. When exactly, we're not really sure, but it could be after he found out about the blinding of John, because that certainly didn't go down well with the Patriarch. So anyway, instead of marrying Anna, he just sent Anna to Manfred as a token of goodwill. Hmm. Again, Fallon deaf ears didn't really make a difference. Oh. Okay, that didn't work. Um, what else can I try to shore up my position? I know, uh, the Pope. I'll send another letter to the Pope. He ignored me last time, but I'll send another one. I'm now, like, I'm in Constantinople. Maybe it will have more weight now. Right, so he sends one. Again, I'll cut through all the diplomatic chatter and just paraphrase. Can't we all be friends, he said. <laughs> we're all or Christian, after all, and who knows, if we're friendly, maybe, you know, church, reunited. Way. East would be under Rome and the Catholic Church. You'd mm. be more powerful. People like Manfred would be less powerful. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Now, Pope Urban, right, this time, okay, maybe he was a bit intrigued. He ignored the last one, but okay, he sent a reply this time. Well, he's in a position of power now, isn't he? So he can... Yeah, exactly. Uh, He said, fine, the church recognises you as the new Roman emperor. Wound on you. Uh, As long as, as long as you don't attack any Latin territories in Greece. So, great. Fantastic. Thanks, Michael. That will do. In a sign of goodwill, again, he releases William. Yes. William was forced to promise never to fight the Romans again and give up a number of forts in his area in Moria, that one bit of uh, Greece. However, the oaths broke down immediately. (laughs) Uh, it's not clear who started it, but soon enough, the Pope was convinced that Michael was going to attack William. So the Pope sent Michael a letter saying, what did I say about attacking Latins in Greece? No, no, no. And the Pope sent William a letter, relieving him of his oaths not to fight. Because ah. the Pope can do that, apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Pope can just say, oh, you swore an oath to someone. Nah, it doesn't count. Yeah. God said so. <laughs> Michael indeed did end up attacking Moria using Gianni's fleet as well as his own rubbish fleet. William didn't stand a chance. He was soon on the run. And then we get a very dubious tale. See if you can spot why I'm doubtful of the details here. The Roman forces were being led by Constantine, the brother of Michael. And Constantine Paleologos had 15,000 men and was ripping through the Greek peninsula like, like a hot zip through marshmallows. Yeah generally doing very well. The Frankish force was not actually being led by William because he'd done a runner to try and shore up some allies, but he'd left his right-hand man in charge. 
Guess how many men his right-hand man had for a desperate last stand against a far superior force. 300? It was 300, yeah. Wow. It's, it's bizarre how often this comes up in history. It's weird, isn't it? Really is. I bet you um, just seen the film. He's inspired. <laughs> probably. I mean, they are. They're right in the region of Sparta, which I know that's not where that battle took place, but maybe just walked past the ruins of old Sparta. And it's like, you know what? Well, I think we could Sparta this. I think we so. could Sparta the hell out of this. Yeah. yeah. They all stripped their armour off and put on <laughs> their CG abs. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> protect you? That'd be ridiculous. Put on their Scottish accents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, according to the sources, the Romans were so confident due to their successes so far and their large numbers that they were already drinking and feasting as they marched to siege the next city. It's never a good idea. No, the 300 Franks poured down upon them, routing them. This is a huge defeat for the Roman forces. That same year, the Genoese fleet had uh, suffered a huge loss to the Venetians, so that was damaging for Michael because... I mean, that's the fleet he was using as well. And then only more bad news came back to the capital because Constantine, Michael's brother, determined to redeem himself for the mess that had just happened, had regrouped, determined to take Moria. Uh, But things went no better than the year before. After his chief lieutenant fell off his horse and died, always embarrassing, um, Constantine lost confidence and instead of giving battle to William, decided to just go and siege a city instead. That's a bit safer, isn't it? Yeah. Now, the Turkish mercenary troops he had with him weren't happy about this. They wanted a battle. So they defected. And this was over a thousand very well-trained horsemen. This is uh, not a portion of your army you want to lose. Uh, Did the horses defect as well? Or was it just the riders? I'm guessing the horses did as well. Maybe it was the horses first and the riders just had to get along with it. Yeah. Yeah. As you can imagine, morale in the Roman camp. Oh dear, that was rock bottom. Couldn't get any worse, could it? Yeah. It definitely got worse when Constantine woke up the next morning and just did some very theatrical sneezes and a couple of coughs. Hmm. Uh, oh, oh dear, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm ill. Oh, he, no. put the, he put the back of his hand <laughs> to his forehead. So, yeah. so, so ill, I can't possibly lead these forces. Goodbye, he said as he <laughs> ran sprinting onto a horse and then galloped out of the camp, shouting over his shoulder to the person he was leaving in charge. Um, yeah, once Constantine left, the Roman forces were routed by William, as you could imagine. The war had weakened both sides, however, so neither could really fight on anymore. This uh, war just kind of ground down to a halt. So this series of military setbacks, very bad news for Michael. His finances were down to practically nothing. His his army was in bits. I mean, he's in a bad way. So from now on, he was going to have to rely on diplomatic fighting. So it's time to get that quill out again. Yeah, it's probably a sensible thing when you've been pretty much destroyed. So he writes to the Pope again. And again, translation from diplomatic speech. Right, seriously, if you call off all your Latin forces and promise not to call a crusade against me, because I've heard rumours, how about this? Not only the union of the church that I keep mentioning, right... I'll help you out in your next crusade in the actual Holy Land. Just don't swing through here, for God's sake. No, <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go straight to the Holy Land. I'll help you out. How about that? Yeah? Oh, and also, that Manfred, yeah, he's, oh, he's, he's nasty, isn't he? So who knows? Maybe, maybe we could do something about him. Now, this letter worked even better than the last one. Pope Urban agreed. Yes, let's do it. Let's actually start bringing the churches together. And I won't call a crusade on you. 
Excellent. Hooray! So, wonderful news for Michael. This meant he was safe for a while. That would keep William in check. Um, yeah, great. Then more news came from Rome. Uh, Pope Urban was dead. Bugger. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Right, another dangerous moment then occurred about this time because Michael was returning to the capital after touring Thrace, and a large force of Bulgars had just been informed of the fact that he was passing by and didn't have many men with him. And they ambushed the Emperor. Oh. Yeah, Michael fled, and I mean Michael, I don't mean his forces, because all the forces and officers just just completely fled in different directions. They scattered. Michael and perhaps a couple of people ran to the mountains to try and hide. Uh, they crossed the mountains and found the the shoreline, and much to their relief, they saw two ships. Now, these were Latin ships, but hey, he's just made peace with the Latins. He had that letter from the Pope, which he was probably waving about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's fine. So he managed to get back to the capital unscathed, but that was close. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. he very nearly got killed there. Anyway, back to the negotiations, because he's not just going to get the Pope on side. Uh, he needs to be as secure as possible. So in secret at this time, he started sending letters to the Venetians. He wasn't too happy with the Genoese, because they just hadn't been performing very well. So he had dismissed their fleet, and he got in talks with the Doge of Venice. <laughs> Do you think he was a bit kind of, yeah, but you... You took you took our city. Well, at that point, Michael said, well, you took it first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after that bit of trading, um, Michael had a proposition for the Doge of Venice. Number one, we will give you quarters in Constantinople that you can trade from. Number two, that trade will be duty-free, by the way. Ooh. Number three, all the Genoese will be expelled from the city. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. In return, Venice will, number one, remain friendly to the Empire, even if an ally of Venice were to attack the Empire. This includes the Papacy, France, Sicily, Aragon, England, etc., etc. And number two, if the Genoese attack, because they're really annoyed about this, uh, you guys will promise to give me the same number of ships that they are using to attack us. Hmm. Sounds yeah. fair. It was a good treaty. Both sides would benefit, but to Michael's massive disappointment, the Doge refused to ratify it, even though it had gone through a lot of discussion, stumbled at the last hurdling block. Because politics were shifting in the West, and the Doge wanted to see how the chips were going to fall before signing anything. Because in 1266, the Battle of Benevento took place. That sounds very Venetian. Well, it's very Italian. Italian yeah. yeah, we're South Italy here. This is a battle between the son of the King of France. This is Prince Charles of Anjou. It's the same Charles who lost his fight earlier, who then moved to France and became king. No, he's the Charles is the son of the King of France. Yeah. So he moved to France, convinced the king, Louis, that's the that one. he was actually his long-lost son. Yes, that's, that's it. it. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. So Prince Charles of Anjou and the king of Sicily, Manfred, went to war. Now, as I've said a few times before, Manfred and the papacy were very hostile towards each other. Uh, Pope Urban, before his death, had encouraged Charles to take on Manfred, defeat him, and become the king of Sicily himself. And after the Pope died, his successor continued with this plan. And Charles was indeed able to defeat Manfred, and he did indeed become the king of Sicily. Now, Charles was relatively young. He's in his mid to late 30s at this point. He's dynamic, he's energetic, he's got a dream. He was going to take over the Roman Empire and restore the Latin Empire. That would mean he would have Sicily, South Italy all of Greece, Constantinople, and what few lands going into Anatolia they've still got. That would make him 
pretty much the most powerful man in Europe. Oh, well, probably the world at that point. That's ambitious. It's ambitious. The rest of Michael's reign is politically and physically fighting against Charles. And it's a bitter struggle. To begin with, Charles got into talks with Baldwin. Remember Baldwin, the exiled Latin emperor? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he escaped. Well, this is where he escaped to. Uh, So he was talking to Baldwin, but Charles also was talking to Prince William in Moria. The three of them, with support from the Pope, agreed to various things. To begin with, William's daughter and Charles' son were going to be married. William's land was to become essentially a vassal state to Charles, and Charles's son was going to be William's heir. So as soon as William was dead, that land falls completely within Charles's empire. Yeah. Most of the land acquired in the upcoming invasion of the Romans would go to Charles. However, Baldwin would get to keep Constantinople and get the title the Latin Emperor back. But if Baldwin and his son happened to, I don't know, die at some point, uh, it would go to Charles. Yeah. Can't help but feel Charles snuck that clause in when Baldwin wasn't looking. (laughs) Accidents happen, you know. Yeah. So there you go. Charles has his allies and he is building his forces. Meanwhile, Michael hears about this and is a little bit worried to say the least. There's no way he could defend against this threat. This was a bigger alliance than the uh, one he had faced at the start of his reign. And his forces were much weaker. There's no way he can defend against this. Essentially, all his Latin enemies had united under a common purpose. And that purpose was to destroy him. So he fought back in the only way he knew how. Guess what he did? Wrote a letter. Who to? Everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Pope again. Right, so, Pope. New Pope. I hope you're settling into your job well. Love the office decor. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to Pope Urban about unity of the church. I don't know if he mentioned this to you. Maybe. But, yeah, unity of church. Like, us becoming Catholic and therefore, like, protection of the papacy, maybe. And also, that Charles... He's getting a bit big for his boots, isn't he? Very unchristian. Sounds a little bit dangerous to me. Now, Pope Clement, like Pope Urban, was interested and seemed to be listening. But then, just like his predecessor, here he died. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a problem with popes. They're always elected when they're really old. Yeah. They tend not to last very long. Charles was still not quite ready to attack. Uh, But the time was getting closer. He was still building up his fleet, building up his forces. So Michael was getting desperate at this point, so he was very, very relieved when he heard from the Doge of Venice. Those terms you mentioned before, uh, they still on offer. Now, Michael obviously was very relieved. This this is perfect, fantastic, I finally got an ally. (gasps) But Michael wasn't going to just jump on this. There must be a reason why Venice was suddenly coming to him to talk about something they'd rejected before. Mm. Um, Michael wasn't just going to jump at the chance, he was going to look into this a bit. So, he saw that the Venetians were very worried about the rise of Charles. Charles has all of South Italy, Sicily, and then have uh, all of Greece. Then, well, they could strangle Venice. Venice was the naval power of the area, so that's not good. So he wrote back to the Doge, yes, of course, the treaty, it's a good treaty, but uh, if you just look down, you'll notice I've made a couple of changes. Everything will stay as before, apart from the fact I'm going to keep my alliance with the Genoese. So I'm allied with both of you now, and you guys are forbidden from attacking each other in the Black Sea and the Bosphorus. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, the Doge agrees. Fantastic, he's finally got some allies. About time. Meanwhile, Baldwin and Charles were rapidly hoovering up support for this invasion in the West. Troops and funds start pouring in from all over Europe. So Michael gets his quill out once more. Okay, who can I write to next? 
King of France. Yeah. Now, by this point, the King of France that I mentioned before had died, and the King of France now was Charles's elder brother, Louis IX. It's a powerful family, as you can see. Now, Louis IX was near universally respected in Europe, and he was also crusade-obsessed. Mm. So Michael pointed out to Louis, um, your little brother really wants to invade me. And if he invades, those troops won't be able to go and take the Holy Land. And also, if your little brother invades me, my troops won't be able to help you invade the Holy Land, because of course I want to help you, Louis, in your crusade. Hell yeah. Because you are crusade-obsessed. Yes. Now, Louis liked the sound of this, because I don't know if I mentioned it, he was a bit obsessed with crusades. A little bit. So fantastic, he barely had time to finish the letter. He rushed off to Tunis to start a crusade. (laughs) Fantastic. Oh, and on the way, he informed his little brother, Charles, you're coming with me. No, stop with your moaning about invading the Roman Empire. No, you're coming with me. We're going to invade the Holy Land through North Africa. This, obviously, wonderful news for Michael. Yeah. Well, hopefully this would tie Charles up for years. Crusades can just go on and on and on, mm. can't they? Especially with the, with, like, the big, elef- big animals in Africa as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're quite a roadblock. <laughs> so, this was great. Michael sent envoys to Louis with gifts just to keep the lines of communication open and make sure everything was okay. But to the envoys' horror, when they arrived in Tunis, they found a dying Louis the Ninth. That, oh, not again. Yeah, dysentery Ooh. had swept, Ooh, no. swept like no. a tidal wave Literally. through the camp. Literally. Uh, On his deathbed, Louis said that he wanted peace between his brother and Michael, uh, but then he died. Now, Charles hadn't actually turned up at this point. He turned up soon afterwards, found out that his brother was dead, and he was now in charge of the crusade. Now, Charles had no interest in this crusade. He was going to take the Roman Empire back. So, um... He immediately made peace and just went home. Crusade cancelled, lads, let's go home. And it's time to launch the attack. Because his forces are ready. I mean, literally ready. They were ready to fight the crusade, so now, now's the time. Let's invade Constantinople. Michael's out of options. Cannot fight this. He's got no one else to write to. And then, out of nowhere, they were saved. Because a huge storm hit where Charles had a large portion of his new fleet, and it was utterly destroyed. Years of preparation wiped out in a single day. That must be very frustrating. It'd be like someone coming along and just deleting our podcast from all. Oh, oh Can yes. You imagine? No, that. Yes, now, I, now I'm feeling the pain of Charles. Yeah. 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 Oh wow. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Aye. That's really bad. Then, oh, you'll you'll be sad to learn, Mike the Merciless and Epirus. Uh, he's dead. No. He's dead. The land was split between his two sons. One of them's Nikephros, we don't need to worry about him. But the other son was more capable, the aforementioned John the Bastard. He's a cruel dad. <laughs> <laughs> Michael jumped. It's like, okay, right, I need to get these guys on board immediately. He offered yeah. one of his nieces to Nikephros and one of his nephews to the daughter of John the Bastard. It's like, right, yeah, you're on my side in everything. Yeah. I mean, we're, 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 we're Eastern christians hmm. so we, we should all be together yeah yeah, yeah. maybe sort of i mean uh, technically Epirus was on the emperor's side but uh john john the bastard did not like michael so mm, it's debatable how long this was going to last meanwhile charles had managed to also take advantage of uh mike the merciless dying because he had managed to obtain a bit of land 
through political means, because the Albanians wanted their independence, and this was in the region of uh, Epirus at the time. And they said to Charles, if you promise to look after us, we'll say you're our king or something, whatever. Just just get us out of Epirus, please. So Charles says, yeah, okay then. And there you go. Charles is now king of Albania as well, but more importantly, he now has a foothold in Greece. So he can now start building up his forces and do a land attack on Constantinople. See, that's quite positive. Well, for Charles, yes. Yeah, for Charles. Yeah. Yes, not definitely for not for Michael. No, no for Michael, this is Michael. terrible, terrible news. <laughs> but it's not all bad news because Charles did have a bit of a setback here. Uh, he had tried to install a new pope that was a puppet to him, uh, but failed. The new Pope Gregory was all about getting Jerusalem back. None of this infighting between Christians, even if they are Eastern and Western Christians. No, we need to go and get the infidel, cried the Pope every night. (laughs) He was also very interested in this letter that turned up. (laughs) Lovely handwriting. Dear Pope, Pope number three. Hope you're settling into your new job. I don't know if your predecessor and your predecessor <laughs> before him mentioned anything, but we were in the middle of this chat about unifying the church and, uh, I don't know, protection of the papacy and uh, stopping, stopping Charles invading. I mean, seriously, we do with the help, said Michael. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, said Pope Gregory. Oh, I, can, I can see this. Yeah, you, you say that you'll give us some men for the upcoming crusade. Okay. Right, why don't you send some envoys to the upcoming council where all the princes and kings of Europe were going to discuss the next crusade? Now, Michael hesitated. Uh, Yes, okay, this is a means to the end to make me safer, but, I mean, he doesn't want to get caught up in a crusade unless he has to. The idea of bringing the Constantinople church under Rome also... It's a last-ditch effort to survive. I mean, he's going he's gonna to offer it, but he doesn't want to make steps towards it unless he absolutely has to, because he knows most people in the Empire would hate it. And Michael didn't want to pull that trigger unless he had to, so he just delayed for a bit trying to get the lay of the land. The Pope wrote again, Seriously, are you coming to this council? Because if I don't hear soon, I'm going to start listening to Charles, and he wants your head. Yeah, uh. uh, okay. So a standoff kind of took place. The Pope saying, come on, accept Rome's superiority in the church and you guys will be Catholic and Charles will have no case against you. He can't go and fight another Catholic empire. That'd be wrong. Mm. Michael replying saying, well, tell you what, call off Charles first and then we'll all become Catholic. How about that? Those letters go back and forth for quite a while, uh, until eventually the council was upon them. Michael did indeed send several envoys to the council with many gifts on two boats. A lot of gifts. Well, all the gifts were on one boat. Oh. And, like, the envoys were on another. Guess which one sank on the way? Gifts. Yeah, all the gifts sank. uh, Along with two lords, apparently. Or, two lords had different ideas and went off and had a wonderful life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Who knows? Uh, the gifts don't arrive, but the envoys do. Uh-huh. They arrive in Leon, where the council is taking place. That was very frustrating uh, as well, because that would have taken ages to wrap all those gifts. Yeah, exactly. And then you turn up, and it's like, uh, we had gifts, honest. Yeah, promise. But, uh, Look, here's a receipt. But, I'm just waiting for Amazon delivery. <laughs> yes. Uh. I, I remembered. I remembered. But uh, delays? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, the envoys arrive at Leon. Uh, Soon enough, various bishops were giving sermons about unification of churches, and then the formal act of union was performed. The Eastern Church was now under the Western Church. The Roman Empire is Catholic. Wow. 
Yeah. The East could keep their customs as long as it didn't contradict the ecumenical councils of the West. Unified church. Uh, One snag, uh, your patriarch has to go. Yeah, the patriarch wasn't a fan of the Union, so they just said, yeah, he needs to go. So um, now this obviously is a savvy political move by Michael. It stopped Charles invading. Charles can't claim to be fighting for the Holy Land invading a Catholic empire. Yeah just doesn't work. But the population hated this. They had just got rid of their Latin rulers, and now this new emperor, who isn't even part of... He's just a usurper now, I think about it. And where's John again? Where is John? Isn't he meant to be the emperor? And what? So we're bowing down to the Pope. This sounds all very Latin to me. And sacking the patriarch? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, this created a schism in the Eastern Church between the pro- and anti-Union factions. Michael's sister was the one leading the anti-Union members at one point, so this went right down to the royal family. Uh, This just split the empire in half. His sister announced that she would prefer to see her brother fail as emperor than the Union be accepted. Wow. Yeah. So she fled to the Bulgars with her daughter. Mm. Two sons of Mike the Merciless also hated the Union. John the Bastard formally anathematised the Emperor and the Pope and the Patriarch as heretics. What does anathematise Excommunicated, uh, essentially. You are, you are nothing to the Church. I love the fact that John just found a bishop somewhere who went, right, the Emperor, the Pope and the Patriarch are all heretics. So there... <laughs> The Pope? Are you sure you could do this to the Pope? Yeah, I'm a bishop. Yeah, just just everyone. Just everyone. I mean, you, you've got to admire the move. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a pigeon? Anathematised. Yeah, so that was fun. Uh, <laughs> now, to begin with, Michael was lenient to those opposing the Union because, I mean, after all, people didn't like it. He didn't want to stir up too much unrest. But it soon became clear that this could turn into a full-blown coup. We had to crack down on it. So blindings and tongue removals started up. For anyone who spoke against the Union, nasty. Starts off then, yeah. with the tongue rather than bone. Uh, now, despite all the unrest at home, the Union was actually doing its job. Charles, I mean, he can't attack a fellow Catholic state. So Michael takes the opportunity to turn against John the Bastard. In a surprise attack, his forces sieged the capital, and John was uh, forced to make a daring escape. He had to use a rope to shimmy down the walls of the city, and then he walked through Michael's troops dressed as a groom and managed to escape. Wonderful. I'm assuming groom as in looked after the horses rather than like in his wedding finery. No, wedding finery. Okay, wedding finery it was. (laughs) Um, Because he was able to escape, he was able to rally his men and uh, fighting continued with mixed results. So Michael doesn't have a great time here. Elsewhere, however, he was able to take advantage of a Bulgarian civil war and take parts of Thrace back, which the Bulgars held. So there you go, expanding the empire. Uh, But by far the best news was when Michael's forces were able to take Albania. To do so, they had routed 8,000 of Charles's troops, led by one of his leading generals. Not only is this obviously a blow to Charles in terms of troops, but more importantly, it cut off that land route for any invasion. So that's good. However, then some devastating news. The Pope... Died. Yeah, died. (laughs) And then the Pope died. The next one. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Pope... Died? Died, yeah. After four popes in 18 months, uh, the wheel eventually... (laughs) Yeah, the wheel eventually landed on a puppet pope that Charles had essentially elected. Ah. So Charles now is in charge of the papacy. Michael received word he was excommunicated. 
Therefore, you're no longer the leader of a Catholic state. Ah, bugger. Yes. Oh, and uh, Charles has also made a formal alliance with Venice. Ah, bugger. Oh dear. So, Charles now has free pass to invade and has literally got all of the uh, forces against Michael that he could. I mean, Michael is outnumbered. There is no way whatsoever he could fight back against this. On the rising of the sun on the third day, looked to the east. Yeah, he looked east. uh, No one came. Damn it. Damn you. Damn you, Gandalf. (laughs) Charles is just undoubtedly the most powerful man in Europe, and it is only a matter of time before he takes the empire. However, thinks Michael, and he pulls out his quill. Meanwhile, Charles was about to set off and claim the throne of the Romans, when all of a sudden, the island of Sicily, which he had been very much neglecting, by the way, he was called the King of Sicily, but, I mean, South Sicily was the main important part. Uh, Yeah, the island of Sicily suddenly revolted. Forced to abandon the invasion, he used four of his ships to put down the revolt, but it didn't work, and soon the revolters got to his fleet, and 70 ships were destroyed. That's a lot of ships. Yeah. Then, Peter of Aragon landed, and chased Charles off the island. (laughs) Charles is destroyed. Literally. Hooray! Politically and uh, strength-wise, yes. Uh, He dies a few years later, but yeah, this is it. That's all his ambition gone. His his forces are just destroyed. Wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, Peter of Aragon becomes the next king of Sicily. So what the hell just happened? Uh-huh. Well, flashback to when uh, Michael picked up his quill. Because he had written to none other than Peter of Aragon. Peter's wife was the daughter of Manfred. So Peter had reasons to hate Charles. So Michael said, do you want some cash and some funds for, oh, I don't know, any like revolts you want to start up Mm. in uh, Sicily and any invasions you want to do. If you could do that pretty quickly, that would be great. Do you want some money? Please, please do something (laughs) to stop this invasion. Now, to be clear, we do not know how much Michael had in influencing Peter's uh, invasion and the revolt on Sicily. Some historians argue next to nothing whatsoever. Uh, He definitely was in communication with Peter of Aragon, but it probably would have happened without him. However, some historians say, well, no, he was definitely funding it. It was a long shot, but this was definitely part of a plan of Michael uh, that did pan out. There you go. Charles is brought down by an internal revolt at the same time as an external invasion, and he can't hold it back. Wonderful. Well, for Michael. Michael turns his attention to John the Bastard, uh, this time leading the troops himself. It's time to finally put down the last of his enemies. But unfortunately, on the way, he gets ill. Ah. Oh. And at the age of 58, he suddenly dies. Oh. Oh. And there you go. That's the reign of Michael. That's very eventful, wasn't it? Oh, yes. So much going on. (laughs) So much going on. That was me hoping to squeeze a small one in before we go on our break. Uh, No, no. (laughs) So much going on. But uh, there you go. I I also left some stuff out going on with the Turks, by the way, for time reasons. But um, yeah, shall we rate them? Yeah. Fighting Maximus. Okay, to begin with, military fighting. Um, not great, to be honest. I mean, he had some wins. He defeated the Epirus Alliance at the start of his reign, remember? And that was uh, an important win. Yes. Although, should point out, he wasn't there in person, but I was under his, his rule. Mm-hmm. Um, he took back Constantinople. 
Now, obviously, the person who finally takes back Constantinople was always going to get massive points for that. That's true. Would that count under... Um, John. No, would it count under... Um, uh, uh, not opprobrium. Oh, successes. Successes. Yeah, no, maybe. Um, probably more so there than here, to be honest, mm. because let's face it. He was barely aware. He didn't aware. take back Constantinople. No. He was asleep when it happened. <laughs> it's a pleasant so, surprise. Um, yes, it was. So I don't think he can actually really get many points for that part. Uh, and then after that, it was one military defeat after another. Uh, he just kept uh, kept losing. Mm. Uh, he did manage to take some Bulgar land back towards the end, and he also managed to take Albania, so that was good. But most of his wars ended in stalemate, with some embarrassing defeats. He was good at... Well, I was going to say he was good at the older negotiation, but... Ah, well, yes, exactly. This is my next point, though. Uh, however, we do need to take into consideration his political fighting. I mean, uh, with, a, with a few letters here and there, he was able to achieve more than his armies ever did. Mm. And that, that we've definitely considered political fighting before in this round. I think that's fair. So I, I think he deserves a couple of points for just his general strategy. Uh, but again, I think more points than success as Optimus for that yeah. than fighty. So I'm, I'm only prepared to give him a couple, to be honest. I, I'm prepared to go to five because I think because we, we've given emperors points for taking over things even though they had nothing to do with it in the past. And he, yeah, got, no, and he got back point. Constantinople, which is the, the, the heart and of everything for them. The defeat of that alliance at the start. and now, Yeah, OK, fair enough. You've convinced me to go higher. I'm going to go... Yeah, I'll go five as well. Right. Total of ten. Yeah, OK. Crazy. Uh, we really don't have much for this one, uh, especially not crazy. No, uh, not. He went a bit. He went a bit far with the persecutions on the anti-union group, um, but there were no stories of him going off off the rails. That seemed to be a I need to do something to stop coups, and he didn't do it immediately. He killed a child. So maybe, maybe a point. I mean, he did blind a eleven-year-old on his birthday. Mm-hmm. He definitely is getting points for that. And then opprobrium, he gave up the Eastern Church. That's big. It is, actually. He just he just went, yeah, fine, Pope, you can have the church. So, I mean, he definitely deserves points for that. So that's that's huge opprobrium. He should definitely get uh, points there. But his crazy is less. But he did do the blinding of John. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm probably going to go five again. Five again? I was, I was thinking four, but I think, I think he convinced me to go five. Okay, let's do it again. Nice round numbers so far. Ten, wonderful. Successes. Okay, this one. Uh, again, mixed bag. Uh, I mean, the fact he held off Charles is amazing. Charles was by far the strongest man in, in Europe or going into the East and uh, North Africa as well. He's just, he's the man on top. And Michael wasn't, and yet he managed to hold back that tide through any means necessary. I mean, that is important. He also got the capital back. He did. Obviously. I mean, yes, it was a bit of an accident, but you could argue that it's like, well, that was his plan. It just happened sooner than he planned it to mm. because he had a very sensible general that took advantage of the situation. It's not like he was saying, oh, I don't want Constantinople. He was trying to do it, and ultimately yeah. it got done. And success of the empire, this just, you just increase it. You brought your capital back. Also, yeah. because even though it may have been negative and it may lead to negative things, he made it so Charles wasn't attacking for quite a while. Yeah. So it gave security for a long time. 
I mean, I, I'm going to say I'm very impressed in this round. He was yeah. very, very successful. He has restored the Roman Empire. He yeah. considered himself to be the second Constantine, yeah. much to Constantine II's disgust yeah. in his grave. But you can say the word empire now without laughing. Yes, exactly. And you can say the word Roman instead of Nicene. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. However, I can't go all the way up to the high marks because he has created a schism in the church that is going to rip the empire apart. Well, let's not think... Uh, well, we can't use hindsight too much, no. but, I mean, we know already that his own sister has abandoned the empire. I mean, this is yeah. clearly uh, ripping the empire apart right now, including the royal family. So that is bad. So he's going to lose points there. Um, so I'm going to go... I was going to think it's seven. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. Seven. Okay. Fourteen. Image of yeah, this uh, this is a near contemporary image, about hundred years uh, after his death, I believe. It's different to the ones we've been seeing recently. It's a, it's very much drawing. He's got he's got a big beard. He's got a like a helmety hat thing. He's very orange, but that's probably just yeah. the colours fading. He's got a big stick with a cross on the end. He looks like a Byzantine emperor, he does. Uh, just like they have done for ages. But if you scroll down. There is another image of Michael Paleologos uh, that was done much later, but is much more hilarious. <laughs> the, the one with the obviously edited hat on afterwards. Well, he's got a jaunty red hat on and a red cape, and he's uh, got his arms out as if to say, look at this pineapple. And oh, You can tell the artists that were so proud of themselves. Yeah, I mean, this is just a hilarious image. There's something about it that is just funny. Yeah. I think it is the way that the hat does not look like it's on his head. It looks like a five-year-old has come and drawn a hat on him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's not contemporary, so we should use the first one more, but yeah. I'm giving a bonus point for that hat because oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, apart from that, it's fairly mediocre. It's quite nice that we've got a whole image of him. I'm going to go... There's a coin. Oh, there's a coin as well. Further down, oh, okay. you can't see much, though. You can see hands outstretched. Oh, yeah. We've not seen a coin for a while. I'm going to go six. I'd, I'd match that. So that's 12. That's three. Temple completed. Okay, how long do you last? Uh, it's one of these things where so much happened in probably quite a short time. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 12 years, but I don't know. 12 years. Oh, interesting. He ruled between 1261 and 1282. That is a total of 21 years. Wow. Which gives him a score of 2.6. In this round. So, do we have a total score? 39.4. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. He's almost in the 40s yeah. club. Yeah, I mean, wow. I, I think I think that's deserved. I mean, he did a lot. He's an interesting guy. Mm. The first of the Paleologuses. So, yeah, well done. A good score there. Uh, I, but I think we genuinely have a conversation to have here. Mm. Do they have a certain Okay, uh, as I've said before, usually I know what I'm going to say going into it, but this is one of those times where I'm not sure. I'm leaning towards yes, because he brought the Empire back, like more so than anyone for a very long time. I, I would argue that the last dynasty put in all the legwork, and the Gene Césars that we gave out then were the, the getting the Empire back. The Constantinople was the, the cherry on the cake. Yeah, but that's, that's, the, that's a very big cherry, though. It is a big cherry, that but it's cherry is so big you could carve it and eat slices. Yeah. I feel like we've given quite a few out recently. That doesn't mean I can't give another one out, but... And we're not going to probably get any more. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Got ten more. Um, well, I'm undecided, so if you're a yes, 
I'm happy to go yes. We can flip a coin. Well, that's up to you. If you're undecided, flip a coin. If you want yes, then we're going yes. Okay. The coin is out. Let's do this. Right, before you reveal it... I flip it again, because I've missed. Because we can't, we can't go back once it's done, so before no. you reveal it, I'm going to say I'm going to say yes now. Because I realised when you were doing it, it's like, no, he does need to get it. He got Constantinople back. So are we going to give it to him? We'll give it to him. Right, yeah. what did the coin say? I said yes. Yeah, obviously, because the coin knows. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, well done. Michael, hey. eight. You are, uh, you have Genesis, huh? Right, and now we are down to our last dynasty. If I've counted it correctly, we only have ten more emperors to go. Wow. How do you think they're going to do? Sum them up in one sentence. Uh, bad. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see if that prediction comes true. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening and doing all the downloading and everything. Yep, uh, don't forget to follow us on Podbeat. No, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and everywhere else. Instagram as well, but that's ready used. <laughs> yep, and um, yes, uh, you're off You're off to America, aren't you, I, Jamie? New Orleans. I, I told people when you were away on your phone call, yes, going to New Orleans. So if anyone has been to New Orleans, recommend some good places. Uh, we obviously head to Bourbon Street. Um, but also Frenchman Street, which apparently is the more the local jazz street. Nice. So, so um, yes, uh, hopefully, because we've got a bit ahead of our scheduled recording, there won't be too big of a gap uh, between episodes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, there might be one or two. But we've got a couple of things to release in the meantime. Yes, so. I've got the fourth one. Is it LJ Trafford, which is really good? Yes, we've got two. that. We've got Nixon Part 1 coming out. Um, it should already be out if you're listening to this. Yeah. And, obviously, this episode. Yeah, so, anyway, right. Well, thank you very much for listening then, and all needs to be said is... Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. Very well. I will go through trial by ordeal. Pass me the iron bar. Well, I believe, young Michael, it is your job to pick up the iron bar off the floor. Oh, no, no. I will only be doing this if uh, you, Archbishop, uh, would go first. (laughs) What? What? Yes, you have no sin. Well, I am a mere human. Of course I have sin. I... I, I sinned this morning quite a few times, actually. Um, just making the toast. I mean, the amount of inflammatory things that can be done whilst whilst spreading butter. I'm not picking up the bar. I'm not touching the bar unless you touch the bar. Why should I have to pick up the bar? It's your punishment. Emperor, tell him. It's not a punishment. It's a trial. That's what I meant. It's, it's, it's a trial to prove your innocence. If you can pick up the bar and walk across the floor, you are innocent and therefore sin-free. I, however... Are you innocent? Innocence is such a vague term. I mean, I'm innocent of uh, being drunk. Are you innocent of treason? Yeah, of course I am. Of course I'm innocent. Then pass me the bar. See, I would pass you the bar. However, I'm not... I I haven't been uh, judged to have not been innocent or guilty, as they say, of of treason. You have, so therefore it is up to you to pick up the... The, the bar, the very hot bar. To be bar. honest, your reluctance to pick up the red hot bar is making me 
really suspect that maybe you have dabbled in some treason, Archbishop. I, 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 I think you, before you... I you, accuse I, the Archbishop of treason. No, 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 that's not how it Trial works. Trial by ordeal it is. Emperor, tell him, tell him, Emperor. No, 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 you have been accused, and that you did not accuse me, that does not count. That was just you being scared. I'm not picking, Emperor, no, I'm not picking up the bar. I, and I, I, I think, to be honest, I think it's all nonsense. It is not what us Romans do. So we should ban the whole trial by ordeal. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Michael, you are free and innocent. <laughs> Go in peace, my child. 